You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Because we now live in a culture of instant gratification and immediate fix. And some of these emotional, mental, and relational things, they weren't meant to be fixed immediately. I mean, there's no magic wand Mm -hmm. to fix a lot of that. It takes effort and it takes work. And I think that it's almost another form of grace to say it takes time. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. My name is Taylor. Today, joined by two special guests. First, we have lead pastor, Jose Abaroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Present. And we're joined by yesterday's speaker, the one, the only, Sean Stover. Thank you. Good to be back. Can I call you Dr. Sean Stover? You certainly can. You will be one of the few that does. I think it's fitting. Exactly. I feel like it's fitting for this series we're in. Sean, you kicked off a series called Church That Heals. And I'd love to first talk to both of y'all just about kind of the vision for the series. Kind of, Sean, what were some thoughts as you kind of prepared not only this message, but also just I know y'all two have been working a lot preparing the church for this upcoming series for maybe so, Sean, starting with you, kind of what were some thoughts as you kind of first were approached with this series in mind and kind of, uh, Jose, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the vision for the next five weeks. Absolutely. I'm pumped that we're doing this series. I think that as a church, you know, our job first and foremost is to live out the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. And as we do that, we have to, man, we have to culturize that to the community that we live in. And uh, that would be different if we lived in a different part of the world or a different, you know, country or even a different part of this country. But we live here in Hayes County. Mm -hmm. And so the folks here in Hayes County, when we look around and see what's going on, man, there's just hurting people. Um, We don't have maybe the same level of poverty as some other places or illiteracy as some other places. But man, we have a high percentage of people who are hurting and struggling with some kind of issue. And so for us as a church to aim and target the needs of the people that are in our community, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. And in this case, targeting the, you know, anxiety, the depression, the the grief, the relational issues that that are in our community. I mean, what a great what what else is church for? Let's take care of the people that are around us. That's good. Yeah, and sometimes we separate those two things, mental health and spiritual health. And uh, I did do some research after talking to Sean and wanting to look to a solid way to attack both and say that they're not separate, but they're one. And we as a church, like you just said, Sean, we need to be that safe place. And so I don't remember how I came across Henry Cloud, but I did, and I think yeah, I, I think I told you about him and sent you a little link to yeah. this um, program and resource that he was putting out, and just thinking you would look at it because you had issues, but just kind of dug in a right. little further. Yeah, I said yeah. no. Let's let everybody else look at this. I'm just I'm exempt. No, it was it was orange. It was uh, right. Mm-hmm. Rethink. It was Rethink Leadership Conference that went online, and that's the first time I heard Henry oh, good. Cloud. Yeah, okay, awesome. and then I, I vetted it through you because I thought, hey, this guy looks cool, yeah. but is he legit? And you said, yeah, that guy's the main guy. Well, that's clearly God at work because I was doing the same thing. I've been looking Mm -hmm. in some other areas of my life and work to uh, find mental health resources for people. 
and came across what he was doing for the church. Rick Warren has been doing a program for a while um, out of Saddleback for the church around mental health and wellness. And I looked at that, but uh, and there's a lot of great things to that, but this um, by Henry Cloud feels even more applicable to where we are today. It's a little more concise mm-hmm. and a little more um, directed at what I think our folks are needing to hear, what I'm needing to hear. Yeah, and we all wanna be healthy, but you can't have health without the word heal. And that's the part that we sometimes don't want to go through. We don't wanna go through the process of healing. We just want to get from A to B as fast as we can. And, and, and it hurts sometimes when we do a little bit of digging around. So like Sean said yesterday, we as a staff went on a two day retreat and we listened to a much longer version of what Henry Cloud shared on Sunday morning. And we're going through it right now. So we just got done with staff meeting. We did a small group exercise where we're all working on being vulnerable and supporting one another as the Lord supports us. <coughs> excuse, excuse me. Wow. And we also want to uh, be able to support one another and be that safe place uh, as a staff. And hopefully our whole church sees some real awesome healing come, come from that. Yeah, Sean, I loved, I wrote down this quote that you said in your message yesterday, just this idea of that we're going to take the Bible and apply it to the issues going on in our lives and our relationships and in the work so that we can show up healthier to the people around us. And so I love just that idea that this isn't just like, it doesn't stop with us. This isn't like, I'm just focused on my own healing, but that God has placed hurting people around us. And so you don't have to be on church staff or a community group leader to be able to be a part of uh, helping hurting people around you. So I thought that was big. Yeah, as his ambassadors, when we all have this light that is in us that we can share with others, but the wounds and the hurts and the fears and the pain all squelch the light and cause us to become selfish, to try mm-hmm. to find ways to minister to what's going on inside ourselves. And that's the real value of healing. First and foremost, we feel differently, and that means we get to act differently. So we yeah. show up different for the people in our lives, and all of a sudden that light is shining brighter. Mm-hmm. And as ambassadors for Christ, we, we're there in the people's lives around us who are hurting. What a great way to be a witness in this community, um, to be healthy and healthy to the point that we have the ability now to support the people around us who aren't or who are hurting. Yeah. So let's jump in and go straight to kind of the message for this week, focus on grace, truth, and time. And so I'd love to kind of unpack each of these just a little further and then kind of talk about this. So uh, a lot of this had to do with the parable of the fig tree that Dr. Henry Cloud kind of based um, a lot of this kind of process on. And so I want to kind of first just talk about the idea of uh, digging. And that was kind of the first part here as far as seeking the truth. Sean, and I'd love to hear you, Jose as well. Kind of what are what are some of the first things that you recognize that just kind of prevents us from being able to dig and and go deep, whether it's in our in our own lives or whether spiritual, emotional, all the above. Well, the thing with digging is you can't do it without getting dirty. <laughs> and most of the time we don't like to get dirty. We don't like to get muddy. Um, we'd rather kind of keep things that looking the way we want them to look on mm-hmm. the surface. And uh, the, I love that Dr. Henry Cloud said, you don't, you don't get change by doing that, though. You, you stay the yeah. same. And to get different, you dig. And it, we, we have a lot of things that keep us on, on the surface. I mean, we have emotions that are, that are almost safer. I mean, we men, you know, it's easier for us to be angry than almost anything else. But anger is a surface emotion. Yeah. You got to dig below that and you find out that, you know what, I was really mad because I got hurt 
or because I was scared. Um, that's the digging that it takes to get below whatever it is that we're presenting to the world. I mean, whatever issues that folks out there are facing, whether it's some sort of eating disorder or some kind of problem with alcohol or uh, a relational issue, you know, we're pretty good at labeling the issue. Um, but man, that that first necessary step of digging down to go, but why? So, so why the problem with alcohol? Why do I turn to alcohol when I know I could go outside and I could probably just go for a walk or I could go connect with somebody, another person in my life who would bring me encouragement, but that I go to that alcohol. Why is that? That's what the digging is. It's trying to find the why. I love how yesterday, Sean, you mentioned the diagnosis and the treatment and how we tend to run to the treatment without properly diagnosing. We don't yeah. dig deep enough. That really hit home for me because I'm a, I like to fix problems. I like to figure out the best solution the quickest in the quickest fashion. And sometimes it's a process and it takes time. And uh, you're right. We don't like to get dirty. And I think yet identifying the problem has to be the first step to really recognizing what the best course of action will be will be after that so it hurts it's not neat but it is really necessary yeah yeah Sean and Jose what are some kind of practical ways that we can dig i mean i know it sounds like oh just kind of you know look in yourself but I don't know what what does that what does that mean and kind of how do i just even this week as i'm just going to take that first step of kind of just wanting to dive deeper into how my emotions and and all of that. Yeah, I'm blanking on the psalm exactly, but um, you guys probably know it. Just examine my heart and and see if there's any. You kind of alluded to it yesterday. See if there is any wrong in me. I think that's the best way. Is you open up yourself to the Lord and you say, "Okay, God, why am I feeling this way?" and what's going on. And he is our shepherd who knows uh, what is going on better than anybody else. And I think that's a great starting place. And um, I would also add, then go to some safe people around you and open up and be vulnerable and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, or I don't know why I'm turning to this or, or turning to that, but I'm not okay with it. I think that's a great place to start. That's perfect. In earlier podcasts, we might have even mentioned the idea of internal processors versus external processors. Yeah. And Jose, you just gave an avenue of digging to both of those different types of folks. Mm-hmm. And so if you're an internal processor, that's Psalm 139, verse 23. That was David saying, mm-hmm. I am doing some crazy things in my life. And I keep trying to stop the crazy behaviors and they're not changing. Mm-hmm. So Lord, look in, help me look inside my heart and find out what, what fearful, anxious ways are causing me to behave this way. That's mm-hmm. David digging, mm-hmm. which ultimately led to God saying, David's a man after my own heart because yeah. he was willing to dig into hard things. Internal processors can do a lot of this themselves because the Holy Spirit will go with you if you pray that prayer. You're not doing it by yourself. The Lord is exposing things inside you. External processors probably need somebody safe, like you said, to bounce this off of. It's like, hey, let me talk this out loud and then give give a little bit of pushback. Now, I don't want to let the internal folks off the hook, though, because <laughs> at the end of the day, healing comes in relationship and yeah. just a little foreshadowing right, to right. this following this next Sunday. Yeah, we're going to get to talk about the value of relational connections and the mm-hmm. importance of those mm-hmm. in the healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, but for yeah, us to do the digging well, we got to be willing to look inside. We got to have the courage to to be honest about reality 
and not what we just want reality to look like or want people to think it looks like, but what it really is and where the hurting's coming from. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that's really good. Going into the kind of the second step here, which is this concept of fertilize, which I know when I first heard this from Dr. Henry Cloud, it was just like mind blowing. Something so simple, but it was like this idea of grace and just this unmerited favor, just this outside. I love some of the examples he gave on Sunday, whether it was, um, you know, like like how, where's the self discipline going to come from yeah. when the self has no discipline? And I think that I think it's funny because it resonates so true in my life as far as every you know, uh, every new year's resolution, it's like, Oh, this is the year and nothing's changed about who I am or what I've done, but it's like, Oh, this is. And so, uh, so when it comes to kind of practically seeking that grace, practically seeking that kind of fertilizer, where would you point people to, where would y'all say kind of would be some helpful steps, just even acknowledging that that's a, a necessity to begin with? Yeah, we all need it, and we like to receive it from the Lord because He's so incredibly safe um, that it's freeing and refreshing for us to think about, okay, we're receiving grace from the Lord, um, but we need that from our relationships here on earth as well. And I think that's why our community group model is so Mm -hmm. important, Mm -hmm. because when you go to a community group, you have a leader or a couple of leaders who are specifically working hard to create grace in your life, that unmerited favor, and and specifically through, you know, support for each other in that safe environment. It's got to come from the outside. That was, I I agree too. I I thought the example of the discipline, where is it going to come from? Uh, You can't muster that yourself. Uh, I thought that was a really good example. I have a few stories that have resonated with me, grace incarnate in my life. And uh, for whatever reason, these last, as we've gone through this, I've gone back to the beginning of how I came into this church. And it was through a community group, but more specifically, it was through one guy who's also, you know, had the name Taylor. So a lot lot of Taylors in my life, significant Taylors. Anyway, he... um, was playing soccer on the team that I was on and uh, lent me his moped to uh, take back to the dorms because the next morning, one of the disciplines that he was helping us do was prayer. And so we would start three days a week with early morning prayer, bunch of guys, college guys praying together early morning. And that actually started opening up my eyes. Just that simple step, knowing that there were guys that were waiting on me to show up. You know, there's that accountability piece. If I didn't show up, I was gonna let them down. And we all needed one another. Um, And we then submitted our mornings to the Lord and prayed. And then from then on, went on. Anyway, this one day I woke up, the moped was gone. And I called him and said, hey, someone stole your moped. And in my mind, and I was very young in relationship with him and, and with the Lord, I was ready for shame. I was ready for, I was ready to pay it back. I was ready to earn his trust back and even justify the situation. You know, I locked it, did this, did that. And I remember the first thing that he did was just gave me a big hug. And he said, hey, I'm sorry this happened. It is okay. Simple, but that was so significant. He extended grace. It came from outside of myself, outside of even the situation. And uh, yeah, that meant more to me to the, to the point that, you know, a decade later, I'm still talking and, and touched by it. But I think that's how we can show up uh, for one another in those random moments as life hits us, we need to be showing up uh, for one another and being 
incarnate grace for, for one another. What a great word, because all the other things that would have been downstream, you know, the shame and the guilt and those things, the defensiveness from you, if he had only approached you with truth, that's what yep. he would have gotten in return. Yep. If he would have said, well, on your watch, my moped yeah. got stolen, which detective, is true. Detective hat on, like, let's <laughs> yeah. figure this out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we do that. We respond so much out of truth. Uh, mm-hmm. at people sometimes, we, well-meaning, trying to right. just you know get the right Bible verse to them, when in that moment, maybe they needed a little more of that grace, that unmerited favor um, from the outside. We could miss it the other way. We could give grace mm-hmm. sometimes only when people need truth. And that's really what I think he was getting at in the video, was it's the balance of these things mm-hmm. and you add time to the equation. So I don't want to get ahead of your questions. No. But. but before that, I do want to... Th- I, you know, we have a doctor in the house and we have been hearing from Dr. Henry Cloud, but Sean, you've been talking about this for years and you were the first person that I heard talk about this balance and how Jesus is the fulfillment of grace and truth. And that changes the ball game because when we realize that he's both and that we don't have to be on one extreme or the other, but just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, okay, this person, do they need a little bit more grace right now or do they need a little bit more truth? And that changes day-to-day, circumstance by circumstance, but we are able to be his representative, his body, his church to somebody else and say, hey man, like in that, in this case with, with, with my friend, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that this happened. Other times it's like, hey, this is the third or fourth moped that, that has been stolen in, under my watch, under your watch, what's going on? So there is, there is a time for both. And I just wanna give you credit because it's really cool that this guy um, you know, is bringing something up that we as a church have benefited from thanks to what the Lord's done in your life for many years now. Well, thanks for saying that. I've been working on it for sure, trying to apply it in my life, falling short consistently this weekend. Uh, I said something dumb to Christina on Friday night, um, jokingly, I I thought. uh, (laughs) Came across different to her and uh, hurt her, and uh, which, you know, produced anger from her. And then here I am, man, I'm, I'm just giving her the truth. I'm like, hey, look, that was a joke. Here's how you know it was a joke because it went like this and I'm just shooting yeah. truth at her. And yeah. man, all she needed was grace, man. She just yeah. needed you know, me to say, hey, listen, I, I blew it there. And you know what? If you got hurt in that situation, that's me not being the husband you deserve mm-hmm. to have. Mm-hmm. Took me, you know, till the next morning to figure out that was what she, I was supposed to be saying. And so I consistently fall short, man, with yeah. Christina and with the kids. But- I want it in my mind. I want the reality that grace and truth both have to exist for love Mm -hmm. to be fulfilled. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's dive into the third, which is about time. And you alluded to it earlier, Sean, but what is so significant about that? Because I think you could make a case for uh, truth and grace and then call it a day. But what is so significant and revolutionary about time? Just not only just in the practical part of healing, but even bringing it up in this series, because I know as you shared kind of in your message yesterday, there's a lot of different tactics and ways in which the church has historically responded to um, health. And so what is so significant about including time into this process? You know, I think when you look at what I did try to describe about the historical approaches the church has made, they all have this immediate 
need for resolution. Yep. It's almost like emotional, mental, and relational issues are messy and they're confusing. We need an immediate solution to this. So you know what? If we blame it on your sin problem, then there's immediate fix. If we blame this on you not knowing enough scripture, there's an immediate fix. If we blame this on the fact that you haven't been delivered, mm-hmm. immediate fix. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't work that way all the time. I mean, sometimes God's like, you know what? I have an eternal perspective. Yeah, I've got 80 years of life planned for you or whatever it is. It's gonna take you a while to work this out. And I think that time is important to add to the equation because we now live in a culture of instant gratification yeah. and immediate fix. And some of these emotional, mental, and relational things they weren't meant to be fixed immediately. I mean, for many of us, it's it's been decades we've been wrestling with stuff that's under the surface that we haven't dug up. And we've been manifesting ugly fruit because of what's going on, the wounds and hurts inside us. Well, there's no magic wand mm-hmm. to fix a lot of that. It takes effort and it takes work. And I think that it's almost another form of grace to say it takes time. Give it the time that it needs. I think the other thing, Taylor, about time, and I want to hear Jose's thoughts on this as well, but I I think there are grace people that just do amazing with giving grace. There are truth people that do amazing with that. And then there are this third group of people I like to call presence people that they're amazing at giving time. They're just present. You know, it's like, I don't know the answers for you, but I know you're not gonna do this by yourself because I'm gonna be right here beside you. And it's just another gift. You know, the gift of their presence allows, you know, look, we'll let time go by. I'm, I'm, I don't got nothing to do but hang with you. Um, and I think the flip side of time, I, I make that sound like, man, you, you could take forever. I like the Henry Cloud in the in the, in the parable, even it said, we'll give it a year, yeah. Yeah. you know? Because, yeah. uh, man, I don't want to be one of those psychologists that says, well, you know, if you come see me for 12 years and pay me weekly, <laughs> I think I can get you where you want to go. Because yeah. um, there does need to be a time limit. And also sometimes a time limit, you know, gives you some motivation to say, all right, I do need to dig. I don't need to mm-hmm. procrastinate anymore. Um, yeah, when when you said that, I thought of Matthew 18, when he's talking about church discipline specifically, and there's a process, and that process takes time of different meetings with different groups of people um, approaching a, a sin issue, but a behavioral issue. And uh, then at the end, I love how Jesus says the ultimate way in some churches, they would call this the excommunication, but the ultimate step is to treat that person as a pagan or as a tax collector who Jesus showed grace to. And so there's still, even in that sense of uh, truth, uh, there's still grace. It's just knowing that you may not entrust in them something if they would have changed at you know month one or month two or however much you measure time. But I do love how you tied all three in the sense of we, we could be really good with truth, we could be really good with grace, or we could be really good with time. Personally, I think of encounter retreats and how significant those are for labeling things, these strongholds in me, either because of my upbringing or my, you know, selfish and and sinful nature that I've turned to certain things. You label those, you identify those, you confess those. And, you know, as in James says, when we confess, God is healing us. And then you continue the process rather than thinking, well, I've identified it and I prayed to God and now I'm healed. Well, I think in some 
in some specific circumstances, that can 100% happen, where we can be instantly healed. And then in others, man, we may have labeled it, identified it, we've diagnosed it, and now the treatment is a process. Mm -hmm. And I think it's both. And bottom line is there's only one guy that's totally in control, and that's the Lord, and he's sovereign, and we submit to whatever he wants to do with us. And again, personally, I I love this, this idea of process. And I think that's what we're doing as a staff. Um, I hope that that's what we're doing individually as as a church. It hurts, but uh, I think it's going to be really worth it for us and then also for, for those those around us. Yeah. I know we're, we're wrapping up here, and I think a good thought for somebody listening right now would be to ask yourself two questions. One, when you think of the three issues, the three areas, the grace, the truth, and the time, when you look at yourself and how you deal with your own issues. Which one of those are you kind of most naturally drawn to do? Do you give yourself a lot of truth or do you give yourself a lot of time or or grace? Which one you know, do you tend yeah. to need to give yourself more of? Yeah. And then if you're in a healthier spot and you're ready to show up for people around you, which, you know, which one of those do you naturally show up with the most? Um, are you a time person? Or are you a mm-hmm. grace person, truth person? And what do you need to kind of add a little bit to your tool belt in so that you can balance the three? Yeah, I'm curious. What are you guys? What's your what's your go to or strength? With other people, I I tend to lead with grace. At this mm-hmm. point, yeah. earlier in my life, it was different. Time is my weakest. Uh, I'm a hey man, let's get through this. Come on, we can do. I mean, I'm trying <laughs> to work. Minutes, yeah, yeah. I mean, even comforting the people in my life that I love. You know, I tend to just want to help them get through what's going on, as yeah. opposed to sitting with them in it. Yeah, yeah. I would probably say similar as far as grace uh, with others, but I think for me, I for me personally, I hate the time component because I think you speak to the idea of like instantaneous kind of culture that I'm in as well as time gives up control. Like I don't have control over time. And even with the grace piece, it's like, I don't have, you know, if it's a me and I'm seeking outside help. And so I think the combination of my kind of fleshly desire for control and immediacy. And if you present me with a problem about myself, I want it fixed because I want to move on. And so I think that both of those, but particularly the time piece is the part where if you told me, Hey, you identified an issue in my life and you said, Hey, and in a year, let's work on, on this. I'd be like a year, like give me something tonight. And so I think I can see how the church has gone to, and I love how you pointed that out at the very beginning, Sean, just the, of the three historic responses, all of them are an immediate thing because I think part of me like is like that as far as like, okay, let's just check it off the list and move on my life and let's just move on. And so I, I definitely think that the timepiece for me is, is uh, the hardest. I think it's worth noting because we talk about all the miraculous healings that Mm -hmm. Jesus did and we see those illustrated in scripture. But when you look at the people closest to him, like Peter, his whole life was a working out of his issues and the things. And there was there was valleys, there was lows, there was mountaintops. You know, you look at David, the man after God's own heart. Man, that was a process, of course, across his whole life. So I don't want to just get so stuck on man. But what about that blind dude? He healed instantaneously, or that lame man? Yeah, but look at most of the stories in the Bible, and it's of people who walked a process out Mm -hmm. over their whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you brought up that verse yesterday in John 9, when that blind blind man was healed. And uh, the question was asked before he was healed, why is he blind? And Jesus answered, so that the work of God may be revealed. And basically, our healing is for that same reason. Mm -hmm. God is glorified 
when we are healthy. God is glorified when we deal with the stuff and instead of filling it with being comfortable and 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 running towards these issues. I love how you put it yesterday, Sean, that sometimes we befriend our issues. Instead, we are, are, are able to fill that with him and with his healing and uh, that glorifies God. Yeah, that's so true. And as we wrap up, Jose, do you wanna give us a preview for what's to come for week two of the series, Church That Heals? So now that we have the three keys of digging, of fertilizing and of giving time, this grace, truth, and time. We're gonna be looking at uh, specific issues. So we'll start with this Sunday talking about relationships and connectedness and this whole idea of bonding and why we don't bond and why we should be bonded to one another. So I'm really looking forward to it. Let's go. All right, hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations Podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.